Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Stanford goes out to an early lead and defeats Washington 31 to 26 in front of an announced attendance. And I know everybody's waiting for that announced attendance. 278 people in the stadium for the game. 55 degrees at kickoff. It was uh, actually pretty pleasant inside Husky Stadium. No wind, but, uh, you know, just Stanford gets out on their opening kickoff and they receive the ball and third and long and they converted and never looked back but uh i think that just kind of set the tone for the game scott that uh early third down conversion oh well i mean third downs is really the stat of the the game i mean they they finished nine of 11 i believe on third down or i'm sorry 10 of 13 on third down and one of those third downs was was turned into a first down on fourth down so really they were you know uh, one of one or two of two actually. And, um, so they only really missed one third down where they weren't able to extend the drive. And that was when Washington forced them to punt. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, those two third down penalty or those two third down, con- uh, conversions on the final drive, both third and 10, um, you know, and, and two guys who can cover. So, I mean, just great plays by, by Stanford. You, you gotta tip your hat to him on that point, but really this never should have gotten where it was, honestly. I, I thought Washington didn't play very well. I, you know, a lot of people are faulting them and their, their toughness or their, or their, um, or their readiness or that, you know, all this different stuff. And I do not fault their toughness or anything like that. I totally fault the 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 aspect of Stanford just coming out and laying the wood in Washington just going what the hell just happened to us Stanford punted the ball one time and that one time was late in the third quarter but other than that the other than uh the turnover towards uh the end of the game uh, the uh, fumble recovery by Eddie Ulafolcio that was caused by Trent McDuffie other than that punt and that those are the only two times Washington never got the ball back from Stanford and and Chris um you know tell me what you were seeing because like I said I get a different level but it sure looked like the defensive line was just getting pushed around and thrown around and manhandled yeah they they were able to do what they were able to do because they were able to cover up the inside linebackers and they were able to keep them covered up now it's obviously the job of all those guys to shed their blocks but what have we known about Stanford over the years especially under David Shaw intellectual brutality they take it they take it to heart they want to maul you. They want to move you from point A to point B. That's exactly what they did. And when you're able to cover up the inside guys like that, that's just going to free up open lanes. And I'll disagree with Scott a little bit in terms of, I know he doesn't think Austin Jones is as good as maybe advertised with the ratings and stuff, but I thought Austin Jones is, is a more than capable back for that offense if they run it the way they ran it today. And you know, you, you, you heard it in the telecast and Mark Helfer's talked about it all the time. Joe Davis talked about it all the time. 
you know, this is a Stanford that no one's seen this year. This is a Stanford that has not been able to run the ball that well. This is a Stanford that didn't get stopped on third down till literally 14 seconds left in the third quarter. And this is against a Washington team that still has their streak of 35 points or less intact, but it wasn't looking yes. great when it was 30. <laughs> yeah. When they, when, when they had given up 31 points by that time and they had given up scores on uh, five straight drives. So yeah, the, the, the slow starts are the things that, that, that are kind of of interest to me because yeah, you know, no energy in the stadium, no fans. I get it. But it didn't seem like it slowed them down against Oregon State or Arizona. But these last two games, holy moly, it's been a real problem. Well, one of the thing on the defense, when you're getting pushed around on the offense, on, you know, on the defensive line and then your uh, linebackers are getting taken out, where are the safeties? Um, I mean, I haven't seen very good safety play from Washington this year. And the one thing that they seem to be missing is that thumper back at safety. You know, Buda Baker, you know, he lives by the motto of fearless and, you know, Jojo McIntosh, you know, used to put, you know, a thump on guys. Ezekiel Turner used to put a thump on guys, but is there a safety back there that's going to put a thump on a guy? Not right now. Not right now. I mean, you watch Asa Turner run around. I don't think he knows what he's doing. Honestly, I, I, he's not good in coverage. He's so, so if that. In, in, uh, in run support, he doesn't throw his shoulder, he doesn't shed blocks. I, I honestly don't, I mean, look, a lot of people are capping on, um, uh, you know, Sermon, Jackson Sermon, and, and rightfully so. He, he is not playing well, but neither is, is Asa Turner, and I, I, I gotta wonder what they're seeing out of him, or maybe he's just better than anyone else they have back there. I don't know, but, <clears throat> I mean, He's just, it, it is brutal watching him, him come mm. up. He's all arm tackles. He never is physical. It's, it's just, it's brutal watching him. Well, he's obviously got to be the best guy they've got because they're going to play the best guys they have. And I think some of this is just building on itself where, you know, he's had a bad game and it's building on each other. So now everybody's just focusing on it. And anytime he makes a mistake or a bad play, it's over-exaggerated and people are flipping out, but it just seems like people have to have a punching bag, and that's Jackson Sermon. And even though he's not playing that well, I think some of it is a little over the top and probably needs to be toned down a little bit. We see it not only on the football field, but we see it on the basketball court too, you know, with Sam Timmons and every every year, it's, you know, somebody has to have somebody to target. But, you know, it's got, you talked about linebackers not getting off their blocks. Eddie Ulafosio had 18 tackles today, 13 is for solo. Yeah, he did. Um, he was struggling though too. I mean, they, they all kind of struggled. He just, he, the thing is, and, and here, look, I'm not an expert on linebacker play, so I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know everything, but it seems like if these guys would just go a hundred percent and if they guess wrong, they guess wrong. The problem is you can see them. They're thinking they're on their heels. They're not being aggressive. Even Eddie isn't, even though he is doing it better than Jackson is, but both of them are hesitant to, to make calls on the, on the plays. And, and, um, Ace Turner's doing the same thing. And I, I don't know. Maybe is that why, um, uh, Elijah Molden was back in, back in as a safety, you know, because he's better in run support than those guys. I, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's really hard to watch and kind of understand. I don't know all the ins and outs of why they're doing what they're doing, but on the back end, it is not good for Washington in run support. 
And Chris, we're not, we didn't see the, you know, defensive line or linebackers or anybody really in the backfield for Washington today. They had zero sacks. Uh, they had two tackle for losses, but, you know, both of those were, you know, I think they were one yard apiece on the tackle for losses, but we sure didn't see Washington in the back, uh, backfield at all today. No. And, and, and again, we talked to, to Edifuano Lafoscio, um, post game uh, during the Zoom call and he was visibly frustrated. You could just tell. And it, and it starts up front. They need, they need to be able to get off blocks. The middle linebackers need to get off blocks. You know, you know, they're very, they were very hesitant to kind of get out of their nickel base to start. And when you're in the nickel base, you're playing that too high shell and it's just, they're playing that far away from the line of scrimmage and Stanford wants you to start cheating up so they can go over the top. And they did, Washington did get burned a couple times, but to be fair there, those were more like really, really good plays. Like the, the play down the sideline at the end of the game to Simi Fajoko. That was just a phenomenal play by Fajoko. I'm not, you know, whether it was a pass interference one way or the other, who knows, I, I, whatever. But that was a phenomenal, that was a game that, defining play. That play, that play that set them up for their third touchdown, the, the, the one down the sideline where he's, right. Davis Mills is getting hit by Ulafosio. Yeah. And, and, and then, and then they come up with it and Keith Taylor comes up with the ball out, but it's too late. Yeah. They, you know, they look at it and, and it stands and rightly so. So there were, there were just these, you know, again, these teams were not that far apart, even though it looked really bad at the start. And it, and, and it's just, Ulafoscio again was so frustrated because he could tell there was a lot on the table there that they let go. Um, you know, whether it was third down or not, but he could, he just said it himself. He just said, look, as a team, we've got to trust our film study, see what we watch. We've got to trust our preparation. And, and like you said, Scott, even if they, and he said it, even if you run into a wall, even if you take a wrong gap or you're doing something, but you're going a hundred percent and you, and you make maybe make a play happen for the other side, the coaches are really good and they'll coach you up and they'll, fi- you'll figure it out. But it's, it's that when you're thinking and you're in the no man's land and you're 50 50, you're not doing it. You're not helping yourself out and you're not, you're putting your teammates out to dry. So there was a lot of that going on today. Scott ZTF, uh, quiet today. Um, did not get to the quarterback, didn't get much pressure on the quarterback. And, uh, was he exposed a little bit in the run game today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Too, by was. the way, people, people may not be aware. He's 280 pounds. He is not a small guy. No, he isn't, but it's distributed differently than, than a lot of 280 pound guys. He's not real big in the lower half. I mean, he's big. He, he's got, He's got muscle, you know, strong legs and everything, but he's not like a lot of 280 pounders. They're really missing Ryan Bowen on, Bowman on the edge. I mean, he could set that edge and really help them. And <clears throat> there were a couple plays where Savelle Smalls got sucked inside and they went right outside of him for a good chunk, chunk gain, you know, 10 to 15 yards. They, they did the same thing to ZTF quite a bit and, you know, it seemed like he was getting it a little bit more and how to, but those guys are not setting the edge. And I think it's pretty obvious that, um, I mean, you guys remember last year against Cal, you remember what Joe Tryon looked like, right? Where he just looked lost and confused and no idea what he was doing. And then toward the end of the season, you saw, okay, they coached him up and he learned from those mistakes. Well, they're not going to get that benefit this year because those guys are not going to, you know, have that benefit of the long season to, to do it. But, um, I think this, this kind of shows you that as good as ZTF has been rushing the quarterback, and that's going to be a big thing for him 
when it, it when and if he ever winds up in the NFL, but he's got to learn how to stop the runner. He's not going to be anything in the NFL. So I think this game shows that he needs at least another year in order to get better at stopping the run. Hey, can, can, I, can, I, can I add a couple things to that real quick? Just, uh, just if I just want to make sure that uh, get back to Savelle Smalls, uh, Scott, when uh, Chris is done about being inserted in the starting lineup too. Well, well, first of all, it's because Ryan Bowman wasn't playing. So, I mean, that's that that this gives an opportunity for a guy like Savelle to really stand out. But let's remember what was the evolution of Joe Tryon, you know, during the year and really evolving by the end of the year to being the complete player that he was. He was a guy that was only asked to rush right away and just go kill the quarterback. That's what you do. But you could tell early in his development, he was also not really good at setting the edge. This, we're seeing real, in real time, this is happening to Zion, Tupola Fatui. He is going through the exact same process that Joe Tryon did. So, so don't lose hope, people. Don't, don't think that Stanford all of a sudden found the, the answer. This is simply the part of the process and part of the growing pains on that. Um, the other thing I would say, too, Scott, you're absolutely correct when you talked about the, the guys coming up to set the edge. Remember, back in the 2016 game, who were the guys that were coming down on the box and setting the edge? Kevin King, Sidney Jones, Buda Baker, all these other. There's It's a different crew, and I kind of sensed, and obviously you have to go back to the tape to really watch it, but I kind of got the sense that, they did not want to to change that thing up. They did not want to bring guys down in the box if they could help it. I think they felt like they could get stops in a, in a in a in a good enough way to be able to kind of constrain that and not really have to show themselves too much. But again, it's that ten for thirteen on third downs. If you can't get off the field, you don't have a chance. Yeah, with Savelle, he looked lost quite often, and uh, he was getting caught up in the caught up in the wash uh, quite a bit as well. But I mean, he's an immensely talented kid, but he's also immensely young, and he's got a lot to learn. And you could see the upside there, but uh, boy, it's just tough when you're bringing in a first year guy on that defense. And uh, like you said, I think they really missed Ryan Bowman. Oh yeah, absolutely missed Ryan Bowman. And I mean, that guy can set the edge for you in in the running game, and he's going to get you a little bit of a pass rush. And and Savelle. Just there were a couple times where he just got sucked in, and like I said, Austin Jones just went right into the area where he was and where he should have been setting the edge and and making big yards out of it. And I think he'll get better. I think he's got the body and talent and athleticism, and and I think as he gets coached up, you're going to see a completely different guy in that respect. But uh, no, it, it, this it was not a good game for Sabell, and it was probably I think it, I think if we talk to him four years from now, he might say that was kind of his aha moment on you know aha game when he when he figured out this is this is totally different game i gotta i gotta bring my a game every time freak athlete he's got the body the athleticism all that's left for him to do is become a football player and that's just going to come with playing time out yep. of the field yep. out yep. of the field i think the big thing um is the first two games of the season we talked about the stable the running game you know rotating the four backs and you know, the last two weeks with the running game suffering, the thing, you know, kind of the common thread is they're not going four running backs deep. Sean McGrew's gotten a majority of the carry, and then they're putting Kamari Pleasant in there. Cam Davis got a couple uh, plays, and Richard Newton, nowhere to be found. And pretty obvious that the running game was suffering today, but uh, 
I'm not sure you can blame that on the running backs. The offensive line didn't seem to be doing their part today either, uh, Scott. Yeah, I mean, Stanford was just crashing. They were run blitzing on almost every play. And even when Washington didn't run the ball, they were just trusting their guys that Washington wasn't going to be able to get the ball ball down the field. I think if Puka Nakua plays, I think if if Terrell Bynum is able to play, both of those guys are out. Um, and then Jalen McMillan was also hurt uh, early in the game. Uh, I think if those guys are able to play, maybe Stanford isn't able to do some of those things. So, um, you know, I, you got to hope that they that that Puka is able to recover from whatever he's got and and Terrell uh, Bynum is able to come back from whatever he's got, whatever he's got going on with his hand. Um, but yeah, I, Washington needs to, cause basically they're telling Dylan Morris, you're going to have to beat us. Well, guess what? Dylan Morris almost beat Stanford and, and really that, that holding call on MJ Ali, I'm sorry. There, there are people who disagreed with me on the board. I'm not, I've seen, uh, I've seen holding calls on that, but I've seen guys n- do a lot more and not get called. And man, he was pushing the guy. He wasn't really even holding him, and I, I just had a hard time seeing that holding call on MJ Ali because that that touchdown that just took a lot of the wind out of Washington. Yeah, no, I, I haven't I'm getting tongue tied here. All of a sudden, penalties uh, just really hurt down down in the uh, stretch. You know that holding call as well as the pass interference call with um, um, who they call that on? Was it Keith Taylor? In the fourth quarter, are you talking well, the one on Trent McDuffie? No, Hoka, yeah, Hoka, no, but that, that was a catch ball. anyway. So it yeah, it was a really catch. Matter. Well, I, I mean, from my angle, from what I saw, it looked like Fahoku pushed off. P- you know? Possibly, yeah. I mean, yeah. That, there people were talking about both sides, but he caught the ball, and you yeah. know, in those situ- in those situations where he's making a one hand circus catch, chances are usually it's going to go in the favor of the offense, and not always, obviously, but. I, well, I would say in terms of the penalties, things like that, and, and Scott, I, I'll touch on the, the holding thing a little bit. The only thing that I would be frustrated at as a Washington fan, and especially trying to understand the flow of the game and the fact that, you know, I mean, Stanford comes in as the most penalized team in the Pac-12, and how many penalties they have? Three, Three for 25. Washington had four for 30. This was a clean game. This was a clean game. They had not called holding on the offensive line all game until that play. The thing is, when you have the outstretched arm and it's and it's extended, right? They're only going to see that out of the corner of their eye, and they're going to pull the flag. I get it, but considering they had not thrown a holding flag all game, if I'm a Washington fan, that's that's tough to take. And on now, their I first also, t- on, on their first touchdown, Stanford totally held uh, Zion I, as well. Yeah, and then but the second one, I'm in absolute agreement on second yeah. one. Kirkland knew right away it was yeah. going to get called and it was wide open. Everyone could see it. No problems with that one, but it's, it's the problem that it compounds it. And when you have a sudden change play, like with Trent McDuffie getting the ball at, at you know, at a full one, getting it down to the 10 yard line, you have to convert in those situations. I mean, those are the moments that matter. You've, and, and the, and Jimmy Lake said it. He said, we had the perfect call in. Dylan Morris completed it. Ty Jones, great pass, play, route, the whole concept was perfect. And all, and all it was was the official throwing the flag in a situation where they hadn't thrown a, a holding call all game. And that, and those are just, it's, it's just those little tiny things that add up over the course of the game. And I'm not 
sitting here saying that Washington deserved to win that game because, I mean, at one point they were down what, 24 to 3? Um, you know, it's, they, they didn't play well enough over the course of the game to win the game at all. But man, that's why you play four quarters and they had it right there and it's unfortunate the way it unfolded. I just wonder how much of this off the field stuff really impacted them because we got word yesterday morning that some weird stuff was going on with the testings. We heard that they were going to be minus a couple of players and we really didn't even get clearance that this game was going to be played until, um, you know, what was it about 940 or 840? No, it was right before we, right before we uh, taped. So it was about 745. Yeah, so, yeah. We didn't know this game was going to be going on until about 745. There was, um, there was some testing issues in the morning, and with those testing issues, they had only um, tested a small amount of the players. So there was some real concerns whether that was going to happen or not. And then with the 1 o'clock game, they had to go through testing again late last night instead of this morning. So we really didn't know. And, you know, looking down the roster, you know, the first guy that we noticed that wasn't there was Puka Nakua. You know, so there, you know, could be an injury, but boy, everything sure points to he was a COVID if, guy. If they're not there, it's almost, almost guaranteed that it's COVID. Yeah. Not at the game. We didn't see him. We didn't see, uh, Chase Garbers. Um, you know, but he's the fourth string quarterback. So not a big deal on that. We didn't see, um, Cooper McDonald, you know, so outside linebacker, they were a little bit thin on that today. Um, who else did I say we didn't see Scott? There Kalepo. Was, uh, yeah, Nate Kalepo wasn't there. And, um, was there anybody else? I don't have the roster that I, I checked off. I, yeah, I, I believe that was about it. But, uh, yeah, there was, I, it was just kind of odd. I mean, we, we had stuff going yesterday and we were just kind of on, on call like a doctor with a pager, you know, waiting to see if we were going to get cleared to have a game. And we really didn't know for sure until this morning. But, so, but I, that really, I don't think why, not that you're saying that that should be an excuse, but I mean, no. you're not saying that, but, no, but it's you're, just you're asking if that impacted them. But as, think about what Stanford had to go through. They were practicing in a park in Bellevue. Well, you know, stuff like that tends to bring you together a little bit more. I know, too. And I think that probably did a little bit. It was us against the world. No one expects us to win this game. We're practicing in a park in Bellevue, you know, and, um, uh, but I mean, Stanford had all this stuff that Washington had, plus they had to fly up here, you know, and I, yeah, I mean, there's no excuse for Washington losing this game from the standpoint of distractions. And I don't believe you're saying that, Kim, but anybody who wants to think that, yeah, it's, there, there's not, there's no excuse for Washington losing because of distractions. Romu Dunsey came through. Let me just pull up Big the game. box score real quick. But uh, Romu Dunsey is uh, proving that uh, he's going to be a factor for a long time. Where have I got Romu Dunsey? Romu Dunsey, five catches for 69 yards. But uh, he had some really nice plays in there. Yeah, I just I want to go back and look and see how uh, Stanford was able to bottle up Kate Otten. Because, you know, the way they were fitting the runs and the way they were playing things tight to start with, you really felt like there might be opportunities for Otten to, you know, dink and dunk and get, you know, five yards here, ten yards there, five yards here, seven yards there, um, and be a, a presence that way in order to not just keep the chains moving, but to also set something up down the field for later, which they were able to get. But, it you know, two catches for 46 yards, you know, with a 42-yard um, play, you know, you expect the 42-yard play to come at some point because they're they're 
they're going to be able to take care of something down the field that allows them to create a mismatch. But yeah, two catches in that game. It just felt like this was a game that was tailor made for, for Kate Otten to do something. Yeah, just real quick. Sean McGrew, 16 carries for 67 yards and uh, Cameron Davis with three carries for 14 yards. Kamari Pleasant, four for six. Including, how many are they listing for Dylan Moore? Seven carries on scrambles, but uh, 34 rushing attempts. And how many passing attempts? Was it 23? Yeah, 23 passing attempts. Dylan Moore is 15 for 23 for 254. So uh, no turnovers for Dylan. But uh, there was no turnovers for Washington on um, at all today, was there? Uh, yeah. Did I miss one? The, f- the fumble. Well, not, not not on offense, but they got a fumble. Yeah, no, 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 no yeah. on offense. So we've got a lot of work yet to do today, guys. I know. So just uh, final thoughts. I know, Chris, you wanted to talk about um, Eddie uh, Ufoshio post. I did talk a little bit about just the kind of the visible frustration. I was, I was really, um, if I was a Washington fan, I'd be really heartened by that because he's really kind of captain material at this point. I mean, he's leading by example with his 18 tackles, no doubt about it. But um, you can just tell, especially like on a senior night, um, you know, wanting to do it for the guys around him like Molden and, and Bronson and, and Keith Taylor and those guys, um, you can tell he's really hurting from this. And I and I just get the sense that these guys are going to – this is going to smack for – you know, they only get 24 hours to really worry about it, but I think this one might sting for a little bit longer than that. And I think that's the way the coaches will want it in this particular instance, just because I think they understand that what Washington should ultimately be in this kind of regime with Lake and, and John Donovan and coach K and whatnot is kind of similar to me to what we saw with Stanford today. They want that ball and control offense. They want to be able to push guys around the offensive line and give their running backs lanes. Because the one thing I will say Scott, is I do feel like as a group, Washington has better running backs than Stanford, but they weren't able to show it today. And part Absolutely. Of that was, Absolutely. Part of that was because Stanford was able to do things defensively that really bottled Washington up. And and early in the game, you almost kind of got that deja vu sense of the game last year where it almost felt like Stanford knew what Washington was going to do on both sides of the ball. It was very eerie. And then there were just those little minute plays, like, again, the holding call on the touchdown – or Kyler Gordon being like half a step, like maybe like a, a, a half a foot in the end zone when he's trying to down the ball, and it goes from being at like the the half foot line to being at the 20, 20 yard line. So just little things like that, it just really started to add up in the first half. And again, like Eddie said at the end, he, he, we we can't be cardiac kids. He goes, that's not football. That's not way. That's not the way we're built. That's not the way we're supposed to be playing. And um, I think they're going to learn a lot from this game. Final thoughts, Scott Eklund? Final thoughts. Washington needs to bounce back from this. They they can still win the North, and they got their arch rival Oregon uh, to, uh, next week. You know, they, they need to bounce back from this, and hopefully they learn some lessons. And there's a lot of stuff that they can get coached up on, and, and I think that we could see – them have a really good game next week. I don't expect them to have their heads down. Um, I think they gave great effort all night. I think um, that what I'd like to see is them to open it up a little bit more, throwing the ball in the first half. I mean, you saw what Dylan Morris can do when you kind of un- unleash him a little bit. I'd like to see him unleash just a little bit more. So um, we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, I, I'm – I, it, it was, I can totally understand people's frustration because Stanford, I don't believe, is a better team than Washington, but, uh, man, they came out and played their best game of the season, and Washington, 
um, did not play their best game of the season. And so they got to lick their wounds, come back and play next week. I expect a really good effort by them next week. The COVID situation, I think, is real, and uh, I think it's going to be a factor this week. And we're not at practice, so we're not able to tell who's practicing and who's not. But um, I think we're going to be on pins and needles uh, come Friday to know whether this game is going to be played or not um, with some of the things that, uh, you know, with the guys out and presumably COVID and some of the testing things we, we heard. I think the d- game is... We'll see what happens, but, uh, you know, probably won't know until Friday. Do we have a time on that game, by the way, guys? I have no. not seen a game no. yet. All right. Yeah. I would think tomorrow you'll, you'll probably get a, probably get a time. Yeah. Well, what's, in, what's interesting too is not only is Washington playing Oregon, um, down in Eugene, but, uh, you know, there's a basketball game. Washington is playing Oregon and basketball the same day, which is kind of odd. So, um, hopefully they don't schedule those two games at the same time. I'm guessing they wouldn't, but, who knows, but, uh, it's gonna, uh, you know, this one's gonna be a little bit of a learning lesson for a lot of these guys, a lot of teaching moments, and it's going to be an interesting week. So, just a reminder, if you're looking for those, excuse me, I'm still warming up, guys. I got, I got cold at the game, you know me, but, uh, just a reminder, if you're looking for those daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter, we'll get you hooked up. For all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.